Welcome to Silhouette, a podcast from the YDN. It's no secret that Yale is full of interesting people, and interesting people make for interesting conversations. Join us each week as we sit down with students, faculty, alumni, and more for interviews illuminating each person's story to see beyond just their silhouette. Our guest today is Logan George, a current sophomore in Saybrook who grew up in Houston and whom I had the pleasure of meeting while stuck in COVID quarantine at the same time. I'm Suraj Singaretti, and I'll be one of your hosts today. So, without further ado, let's get started. Hi, Logan. Thank you so much for being with us today. How, how, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm very excited about this. Good, good, good. good. On mic today, we also have Joanne, one of our staffers. Hello. Um, yeah, and we're excited to get the chance to talk with you. So let's start by talking a little bit about where you're from, general stuff, you know, where'd you grow up? What was that like? Of course, um, I'll give my Logan 101. So I was born and raised in Houston, Texas. Love Houston. It's It was such a great place to grow up. I grew up in a really cool community called Montrose. That's my neighborhood. And the fun fact about Houston, we don't have any zoning requirements. So the entire city is sort of just a free-for-all. I think it's the largest city in the U.S. that doesn't have set laws about where things can be. Mm-hmm. So I sort of live in a pocket of a, is sort of very close to downtown with a lot of sort of like nightlife around me, like shops and places, not sort of your standard neighborhood that's set Mm. apart from everywhere else. But we do have like a couple blocks of people. So it was a really fun place to grow up. There's a lot you can walk to. And I really enjoyed sort of the South, the Southern hospitality. My Mm. mom's from Georgia. So a lot of like our roots are tied to like Southern culture. Mm. And then my father's from India. So I also grew up in a mixed family. Did you grow up in like downtown downtown parents siblings what's the bigger picture yes downtown downtown i would say Mm -hmm. which can if you ask someone from houston where they're from you can get anywhere in like a three-hour drive radius Um, (laughs) that would technically qualify but i grew up right next to downtown my parents worked there too so we were all like very close to everything and i do have one younger brother who's 13 who i'm very oh sorry he's 14 now (laughs) (laughs) his birthday just yeah who i'm super close to as well Mm -hmm. what were some of your well i guess like being in down i don't know does houston have like a public transport system or is it like like what what is growing up in downtown houston like um we don't (laughs) which is pretty bad. They've had plans to do public transport in Houston for years, but it always gets shut down by our local city administration. So we have like Mm. a bus system and it goes down one street, but that street happens to be close to me. (laughs) Mm. But it's, it's not like your standard city, like New York or something, because it's very, like everyone has a car and you drive everywhere, but there's sort of like a square of like office buildings and then just like sprawling urban mass Mm. for as far as you can go. Yeah. Yeah. What is like, I guess like when, when like I imagine downtown Houston, like big, tall skyscrapers, but like what is like actually around you? What are some of your favorite places that you've grown up around? What's like within distance? Oh, gotcha. We do, we do have the tall skyscrapers section, but they can be pretty boring. It's all offices. Mm. Underneath them though, we have the Houston tunnels, which is a really cool spot. It's almost like a shopping mall, but it's all underground under our like 
downtown center. Mm. So it's it's pretty cool. I think they built it because it gets so hot in Houston. No one wants to be outside. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. But I think near me personally, I grew up, I'm in the Montrose neighborhood. I live near a street called Westheimer, which is very sort of young and hip. There's lots of thrift shops, lots of coffee shops, mm-hmm. sort of eclectic looking coffee shops Mm. one of my favorites was this place called agora which is like covered in greek statues on the inside (laughs) and tiny chairs what is like where did you spend most of your time like as like or some of the places that you visited often where did you spend a lot of time outside of school like growing up through high school anything Hmm. Where did I spend time? Um, <laughs> I always have to think pre-COVID because I think I forget what life was like before I was yeah. just mm. living in my house. Yeah. There's a cool spot, Buffalo Bayou. The bayou runs through Houston. It's mm. a very beautiful brown river that has a park around it. So I spent a lot of time there as a kid. I'd bike up and down the bayou. Mm. I spent a lot of time at the coffee shop I mentioned, Agora. Mm. My dad's friends with literally every person who works there. Mm. So we would always sit and people would always recognize us. My family's very recognizable because my mom <laughs> is a six foot tall white woman. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. And my dad's a five, four Indian man. Um, <laughs> so we, we stick out and yeah. mm. my dad's also very personable. So everyone knows us as the Georges. And when yeah. we walk into like a restaurant or something, they're <laughs> like, oh, the Georges are here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like a celebrity. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So you feel very, like, connected with your community. Yeah, I'd say so. Mm. I feel like I'm very close to my neighborhood and the people in it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Have you, have you, like, lived in the same house the whole time, or is it just... Yep. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Crazy. So I know you also, like, when we were talking about this before, you mentioned that you also grew up in a neighborhood that had a lot of, that had, like, a big, like, LGBTQ population. What was... Growing up there, like, was it a big part of, like, the community growing up? Or was it kind of separate from, like, the, I don't know, was it separate from, like, your family's life? That's a good question. So Montrose, I don't know the history behind it, but it is historically a very gay neighborhood. Mm. There's a street, I drive down it every day to get to high school. It's the literal Montrose street, and then it's Fairview. And every two feet is a gay bar. So it's Mm -hmm. just like pride flags and pride paintings on the street. And it's a, there's a bar called George Bar that (laughs) is always funny because it's my family and it's like a Texas gay bar. Mm -hmm. It's like cowboy hats and pride flags. (laughs) Um, I love it. (laughs) So it was very much a part of my neighborhood that we had this like large lgbtq population it was overwhelmingly older white men Mm. actually entirely older white men so it was a very sort of niche view or a niche group of lgbtq individuals but i'd say growing up around them a lot of them did participate in sort of activism work there were a lot of lawyers and houston actually has a rich history with sort of like the pride movements as well Mm. oh my gosh i'm forgetting the name of the case not obergefeld but the other one lawrence yeah i I want to say lawrence i don't don't remember that being on my ep Lawrence v texas yeah, Lawrence v. Texas. Yeah. yeah, that originated in Houston. And that was the case that allowed, that legalized same-sex relationships, not yeah. same-sex marriage. Mm-hmm. So that started, that was HPD, the Houston Police Department. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the people in my neighborhood were very sort of like, not involved in that case specifically, but 
involved in sort of that time period and that movement and growing up around them I sort of learned a lot from them Mm. and I grew up in a world where it was like very normalized to see Mm. gay couples albeit gay male white couples Mm -hmm. so I think that gave me a very unique view of the LGBTQ experience and I remember being very shocked in 2015 when Obergefell was passed because mm-hmm. I sort of didn't realize that that wasn't normal mm-hmm. um, elsewhere. A lot of them got married after that. A lot of them had gotten married like in California previously. Mm-hmm. So it was very normal for me to see gay male couples. And it was surprising that the rest of the world didn't have mm-hmm. that same experience. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was there a big divide between your neighborhood and the rest of Houston or was Houston as a whole like pretty accepting that's a good question i stay i stick a lot to my neighborhood Mm. i think houston tends to be a pretty liberal city Mm. in terms of being socially liberal where it struggles is a large reliance on oil and Mm. fossil fuels so a lot of sort of environmental policies don't gain as much traction but in terms of like being socially liberal it's very diverse so you feel that when you're in the city you get just slightly out of the city and that completely changes yeah so I'd say Houston as a whole is accepting. Texas is definitely not. Yeah. 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 <laughs> how, like, I guess, like, how involved was your family with, with, like, the community as a whole or, like, that part of the community? Or was that kind of just, like, that was just there the whole time? That wasn't, like, a especially big or small part of, I don't know, your life? I guess growing up, It's hard to sort of, like, look in retrospect because I truly, like, didn't recognize that, like, having gay couples around was, like, Mm. unusual. But, I mean, I mentioned before that my father is very friendly and he's best friends with everyone on our street. So we Mm. knew them all really well. Our neighborhood also has, once a month, we have these things called cocktails and conversations Mm. where Mm. someone opens up their house and we all go to their house and talk to one another. Mm. (laughs) It's a cute sort of neighborhood gathering. So... Our family was very involved in the neighborhood in that we were all sort of friends with people, not necessarily like the social movement side, Mm. but we were all close. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have an early, I guess you talked a little bit about, about pride, but like, I guess what was pride like growing up? What's your earliest memory of like being involved Mm. in it? Yes. So pride was centered in my neighborhood, in the Montrose neighborhood in Houston. And what that meant is the parade was sort of, it would go directly down my street and they'd also set up on my street. So every year we'd get assigned a booth that would park outside our house for the day. And usually like we talk to them a little bit. I'm pretty sure sometimes we give them like water or something like that. So every year it was this big thing that was very centered in our neighborhood and our community. And I remember seeing the different groups every year. The one that I remember most clearly was a later year where we had the fire trucks. And that's because they let me go into the fire truck mm-hmm. and sit in there. And so we have like pictures of us in the pride fire truck. Mm. But other other years we had, we had the Houston Bears one year, which was a group of gay men who called themselves the Houston Bears because they were hairy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was that was their their thing that brought them together. Mm. So we had them one year. We had the roller derby team another year. I was very, very young, like three, four, five when mm. this was happening. But I do remember the parades and I remember the floats and talking to the people the day of and then getting to see like the parade at night and all of the festivities. Have you been, have you like continued to be involved in that? Like as like, 
through the years or was that more of like an early childhood thing? Definitely more early childhood because that was mm-hmm. when it was directly in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. As I grew older, I stopped being in Houston. I would go stay with my grandparents for the summer. So I stopped being in Houston for the parade. So I think the last time I had gone was when I was maybe eight or nine. Mm. And then I didn't go back again until this past year. So there was a long gap between like what I remember Mm. from my early childhood to what I remember now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think pride has changed in that time? Yeah, so um, a lot. It's changed (laughs) a lot. And my own relationship with it has changed a lot as I came out as Mm. an LGBTQ person myself. But when I was younger, I remember it just being sort of a big celebration. And I didn't understand the significance of it, but I could feel the community that was apparent. It was just a really great atmosphere. You could tell it was a coming together of people with a common interest to sort of just celebrate themselves and find other people like them. And Mm. the atmosphere was very sort of, uh, I'm lacking the words to describe it, but just very like personable Mm. and supportive. Mm. It had a lot to do with community. And I remember the first year as well that Mayor Anise Parker, who was our the mayor of Houston, and she mm. was also LGBTQ+. And she led the parade one year through my neighborhood, and we saw her. And that was a big deal because it was sort of like recognition of mm. this phenomenon that had gone on for years. My experience with Pride this past summer, though, it was the first time I had gone since I was maybe eight or nine. Mm. And it was entirely different from what I remember. I went with my family and instead of being based in our neighborhood, they've moved it to downtown proper. So it goes right through sort of the office building section of downtown. And I showed up sort of expecting it to be somewhat similar to my memories of it. And just the demographics of who was in the parade was entirely different. The first section was all politicians. So we had Sheila Jackson Lee, our congressperson. We had local politicians. Then we had, and they were all wearing sort of like rainbow coats, rainbow cowboy hats there as allies to LGBTQ individuals. But that was the whole first leg was politicians. Also, a lot of them were campaigning for the midterms. Mm. So they were handing out flyers, like asking people to vote, registering people to vote. The second section was sort of city officials. So you had the Houston Police Department decked out in rainbow flags. You had the fire department, all sort of like municipal services. And then the last leg, which I was sort of waiting to find the groups that I remembered from my childhood, but the last leg was the most shocking because that was corporate pride. Mm. So we had the airports, both had floats. United had all rainbow flags of United. And then, of course, it's Houston. So we had Shell out there. Mm. with um, sh- They all had shirts with the Shell logo that was rainbow. And Coca-Cola, all of your your standard all-American brands. So, And that, that was the entirety of the parade. So it was... It was a little shocking and it was very different from what I remembered because what I remember is sort of this like celebration of people and of community and it was more mainstream and more recognized. It was Mm. in downtown. It was significantly larger. We had all of these politicians showing up who are fighting for like civil rights legislation, but at the same time, it lost a lot of sort of that community, I'd say. Mm. And you could just tell that a lot of sort of pride and what's special about it was being co-opted to like 
sell things and yeah. to drill oil. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know, like, why have an airport float there? Yeah. <laughs> it's not like people have a choice, like, whether or not they're going to use the airport. Fly with pride. Fly with pride. Motto. Oh, that was a motto? Yes. Oh. <laughs> interesting no that's wild how like i don't i don't know like how was uh, do you were there still like members of the community involved in like the setup of pride or was it completely like some external body that was organizing it that's a good question mm-hmm. i don't really know mm-hmm. how it's organized in houston or the groups that organize it i know it's also become a lot more than just the parade i think mm-hmm. when i was younger it was just the parade mm-hmm. and now they have they had a drag queen show and a concert and a parade. So it's over the series of a week or two. So it has expanded and the parade is the only thing that I saw. But I, yeah, I'm not sure who organizes it. What is your, I guess, what does your neighborhood do during Pride? Is there anything special that goes on there specifically? Not specific to my neighborhood mm. anymore. I think they all go to the downtown mm. events. Yeah, yeah. How do you think like, I know you were talking about a little bit about like how you've just like recently come out and stuff. How do you think growing up in your neighborhood like influenced your journey? That's something I actually have been thinking about recently because it's interesting that I grew up around so many LGBTQ individuals and still had such a hard time coming out myself and accepting myself and coming out to my family. And I think one reason why that was is because of the demographic of people that I was mm. seeing. Since I am a woman of color, I wasn't well, I wasn't seeing women who were gay, mm. and I also wasn't seeing people of color who were mm. gay. So I think I always viewed them as a group external to me and not really a group that I would ever be a part of. Mm. And so I'd say I'm not sure how it mm. influenced me, but it gave me a very specific idea of what an LGBTQ person is. And it's not one that matched who I am. I grew up seeing community and seeing people being accepted for being who they are, but I didn't necessarily tie it to myself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like you've been able to like see that kind of representation like outside of Houston, like coming here, like to New Haven? Yeah, I think we've come a long way since when we were all born in the early 2000s in terms of representation of LGBTQ individuals in, you know, TV, movies, that you come to Yale and you see a a lot of people who have similar experiences. So, yes, I'd say representation outside of the people in my neighborhood has definitely come pretty far. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's all the questions we have to ask you unless there's anything else that you will want to talk about in specific anything else any other topics no i think that's pretty much it it's an interesting story because i think it speaks a lot to sort of how lgbtq plus individuals are being viewed in society now Mm. because i think there's something very special about how much more accepting society has become Mm. to an lgbtq plus identity and the fact that pride has become so mainstream and Mm. you walk into a target and you see a section uh (laughs) selling pride merch and you open instagram and every company has changed their logo to something with a rainbow and Mm. every politician is posting about how like love is love i think that's i mean that's great (laughs) it's 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 progress but at the same time i think there was this sense of community that was created through pride, even when it was on the fringes, that 
is sort of being lost. And I think mm -hmm. there's an interplay between how to, you know, have LGBTQ plus identity be more mainstream, but still maintain sort of that special community. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a way that we can get there? Or that's, that's a big question. <laughs> yeah, that's the question of the day. Yeah. I, I yeah. really don't know. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us, Logan. This has been really interesting to hear and it's been great getting to hear about your experience growing up. Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys so much. It's been so much fun. This episode of Silhouette was produced by Suraj Singaretti, Joanne Lee, Xavier Guaracha, Ruth Lee, and Eli Song, with sound editing by Joanne Lee and music by Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to our podcast editors at the YDN, Alyssa Michelle and Christian Zapley, and our guest, Logan George. Thanks for listening and tune in soon for our next episode.